Hi, this is Kyle Blakely, and you're listening to COS 23, The Mayor's Race. As we've mentioned before, there are 12 candidates running for mayor this year, and we profiled seven of them in the individual episodes. But I think it's important to mention who the other five are and how you might learn more about them. John Tig Teagan has a campaign website, tigformayor.com. He's a former Marine sergeant and was on the ground defending the American government facilities in Benghazi, Libya on September 11th, 2012, about which he also co-authored a book and collaborated on a movie. He's also the founder of United American Defense Force, a militia arm of nonprofit Faith Education Commerce United. Lawrence Martinez has run for mayor two times previously, in 2015 and 2019, receiving 1.3% and 5.2% of the vote, respectively. I couldn't find a website for his campaign, but in a February 6th article in the Gazette, Martinez said he wants to focus on housing affordability, homelessness, and public transportation, and have a more open-door policy to hear from residents. Callan Reese Rodabaugh is a self-described professional stand-up comedian and model who has worked various jobs in and around Colorado Springs over the past six years. He lists affordable housing, lowering utility costs, homelessness, and public transportation as his top issues. And he's running to show America's younger generations how accessible civic engagement can be. His campaign website is callanformayor.com. That's callan, the number four, mayor.com. Christopher Mitchell is an electrical engineering contractor supporting technical companies in Colorado and New Mexico. A longtime resident of Colorado Springs, he says he is a patriot, constitutional conservative, transformational leader, and rugged individualist. His platform includes fiscal responsibility and accountability, advocating for public safety. He's a pro-resident anti-developer who supports a conservationist growth policy called Graduated Growth Planning and open space conservation and community park development. His campaign website is PatriotCowboyRevolution.com. The last candidate is Jim Miller, who I also couldn't find a website for. But a February 9th article in the Gazette describes him as a Marine Corps veteran and small business owner who wants to fix roads, improve services, enhance public safety, and create a more effective bridge between government and residents. You can see the mayoral candidates at several forums over the next few weeks. These include an affordable housing forum hosted by Habitat for Humanity on Tuesday, February 28th at the Ent Center for the Arts. The forum is from 6 to 8 p.m. A social services and child welfare forum at Safe Passage Children's Advocacy Center on Wednesday, March 1st from 5.30 to 6.45 p.m. Pikes Peak United Way is hosting a forum at the former Pikes Peak Elementary School on Thursday, March 9th from 5 to 7.30 p.m. And the League of Women Voters debate is at Library 21C Event Room on Monday, March 13th from 5.30 to 7. The League of Women Voters is also hosting a water, environment, and transportation discussion on Saturday, March 18th from 1 to 3 p.m. The tentative location is the Hillside Community Center, so be sure to confirm that if you want to go. In fact, you should probably check out each one of these ahead of time to see if any of them require registration or a ticket purchase before you attend. Okay, let's get on to today's episode, which I'm really excited about. I'm rarely accused of being the smartest person in the room, and that's especially true today. My special guests are Dr. Robert Levy and Dr. Tom Cronin, 
both Professor Emeritus of Political Science at Colorado College. Dr. Levy received his Ph.D. from Johns Hopkins University in 1963 and joined the faculty at Colorado College in 1968. His areas of expertise include Colorado elections and government, civil rights, and the United States Congress. Levy's first book, published in 1990, To End All Segregation, The Politics of the Passage of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, came from his firsthand experience as a legislative assistant to U.S. Senator Thomas Kekel of California, who would be named the Republican floor leader on the issue. Dr. Cronin was the McHugh Professor of American Institutions and Leadership at Colorado College. He's the President Emeritus of Whitman College and a past acting president at CC. He has also authored and co-authored best-selling textbooks on American government and the American presidency. He's won several awards for teaching, advising, and for his research, including the American Political Science Association's Charles E. Merriam Award for significant contributions to the art of government. Bob and Tom, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Ever since I first reached out to you guys, I've been kind of excited for this episode. I know you wrote the article recently in the Gazette, kind of looking at the race, and I'd just be interested to kind of get your take on how you see the race so far or what you've really been thinking about as you've looked at this race start to unfold? Well, uh, I can start on that one. Okay. Um, I see this at the start as uh, having two heavy favorites and other conclusions develop from that. Now, the two heavy uh, favorites are uh, weighing former Secretary of State and uh, Wayne Williams, the former Secretary of State. Uh, He's also been a former county commissioner in uh, Colorado Springs. Uh, He's uh, well known in the community. Uh, As Secretary of State, uh, he won a number of national prizes for uh, the uh, reforms he put in in the electoral process. Uh, He strongly uh, supported the electoral process. In fact, he did TV commercials with the present uh, Secretary of State. So you've got to rate Wayne Williams as uh, uh, he would be the strongest candidate all by himself, except uh, someone equally strong is in the race, and that's Sally Clark. Uh, Sally and Welling Clark are institutions in West Colorado Springs, Uh, She's been on the city council. She was 12 years as a county commissioner. Um, And uh, she uh, recently uh, held a presidential appointment uh, in the field of agriculture. Uh, So the first outstanding fact about this race, in my opinion, is you've got these two heavyweights who are likely to uh, split a lot of the vote. it, it's really hard to rate one over the other. At least I have difficulty rating one over the other. So the first thing you want to look at is Wayne Williams versus Sally Clark. Uh, there's a good chance uh, that they'll run neck and neck in the first position. And that's what, to me, creates an interesting situation. Uh There are strong third, fourth, and fifth candidates in this race, in my opinion. And it's the old thing. If uh, 
Sally and Wayne uh, knock each other out, cut into each other's vote, one of these uh, other candidates just might sneak up and knock Sally or Wayne out of out of the top two positions. Uh, that to me is a, a real possible outcome in this race. And uh, I, I see uh, three candidates uh, could be in an equal position. Uh, one of them is uh, Gonzalez, uh, former county commissioner, proven a good vote getter and uh, done a very credible job uh, as a county commissioner. Another one is Yemi. Uh, I won't attempt to pronounce this last name. Mobilade. He has been a very successful businessman. Uh, he's a newcomer to town, uh, but uh, uh, he succeeded in business and has been a real joiner. I think he's another one who might grab that second position if uh, uh, Wayne and uh, Sally knock each other out. Uh, um, you can never count out Daryl Glenn uh, at this level. He's been a very big vote getter. He's been a Colorado Springs uh, County Commissioner as well. Uh, so you... Uh, uh, and then there's Tom Strand, the present president of the city council, uh, who uh, he'd be a strong candidate other than the fact that Wayne and Sally are in the race and are such strong candidates. Yep. So uh, my capsule evaluation to get things started here is we're going to watch Wayne and Sally punch each other out. And the real question is, can one of the other candidates uh, sneak into the second position. Who will get knocked out to me is the real question. Will yeah. it be Sally or will it be Wang? If one of the lesser candidates, when those two split a lot of the votes, uh, can one of those other three slip in? Tom, how about you? Well, my first comment would be uh, that Bob is generally correct in his observations. And I usually agree with him on most local issues. I I would have to say Wayne Williams is is decidedly the the front runner. He has already picked up endorsements from the current mayor, who is very popular, from I believe the firefighters, and also the biggest developer in town, Norwood uh, uh, Chris Jenkins is uh, developing firm, and he's likely to be endorsed by the Gazette in a couple of weeks who have endorsed him regularly in the past and who are very friendly with him from their editorial board. So he's uh, he could possibly win it on the first ballot on April 4th. Uh, Sally Clark is a great campaigner, and uh, she is uh, uh, also a proven public servant at all three levels of government, and she, uh, she knows how to campaign, and she's very well liked. Plus, she's the only woman running on the ticket. Yeah. And I think that will be an advantage these days when probably the majority of people voting will be women, uh, which has been the case in Colorado in recent years. Um, the uh, Tom Strand is a very decent, experienced guy. I think he'll have a tough time uh, getting into the, the top two or three. Uh, Commissioner Gonzalez, the same thing. Good, strong people. Uh, Daryl Glenn is a wild card. He's He's decidedly the person 
most on the right. His campaign is all about freedom and liberty and uh, pushing back at every uh, level of government and doing away with any restrictions of uh, on property or real estate or neighborhoods. Uh, he he he's a he's a libertarian Trumpish uh, to the right. It and it and he that's a that's a little bit of a problem for um, Wayne Williams because Wayne Williams in a way has to defend the current administration and defend the current government. He's in a way the incumbent, uh, the closest thing we have to an incumbent. Yeah, I would say about Wayne Williams in addition. He four three or four years ago when we had the elections for councilman at large, he was by far and away the biggest vote getter. Yes, and uh, uh, so he's a and he's his wife is a county commissioner, of course, and um, the fact that he's been elected uh, off and on now for uh, twenty years or more, and he even worked in an appointed capacity for Bob Isaac back twenty five years ago. So uh, I, I think he's the uh, front runner and uh, uh, Yemi is a newcomer with a lot of friends and a lot of backing, but I think he would have to, uh, he, he's not known as a conservative. He's not known as a, as a Democrat either, but I think he, for him to put together a coalition of moderates and uh, uh, small business people is going to be very tough unless he runs a, a, an impressive campaign in the next few weeks. And, um, uh, He's he's winning the campaign of probably having the most signs. He and Wayne Williams seem to have the most signs up around town. But uh, and he kept the endorsements of several prominent entrepreneurs in town as well. And he's got a record of being very a- more active in the churches than any other candidate. So maybe a third or fourth candidate. But uh, I, I think uh, uh, Dow Glenn could pull off a lot of people uh, on the far right with with the. Uh, Wayne Williams and Sally Clark being kind of the the, the semi moderate establishment incumbent kind of candidacies. Back in 2011, I worked on Richard Scorman's campaign, the first strong mayor election. I had a front row seat to how this strong mayor process kind of shakes out. And what's interesting to me, I mean, obviously back then. Richard and Dave Munger were probably the most moderate to liberal of the candidates, and everybody else was more to the right. And with that, Richard was able to get the highest number of votes in the first round, but it was just couldn't overcome the conservative majority here in Colorado Springs in the runoff. And so he lost 57 to 43 percent. Same thing kind of happened in 2015. Mary Lou was a little more moderate to liberal. She finished second behind the mayor, Mayor Southers, and then lost in the runoff. I'm curious about what this one is with these 12 candidates and really kind of the, the core six that you guys have talked about. And I'm going to throw Andrew Dalby in there because he's spending $400,000 of his own money and he's somewhat conservative. Is He's quite conservative. Yeah, so you've got probably. I, I, I think he he would be viewed as more conservative than uh, Wayne Williams or Sally. Yeah, that's, and so you've got probably, you know, five or six moneyed candidates fighting over that side of the the electorate. I look at Yemi as being the most moderate. He's positioned himself as an independent. I think he's a registered. He's unaffiliated. 
I, even though Tom Strand is a Republican, I look at him as a little more moderate than some of the other candidates. If you kind of look at those first two strong mayor races and how they shook out, I, I don't think it's unrealistic to think that Yemi could end up in the top two or or if Tom can build that coalition on that side, maybe there's a way for them to sneak in there. That's just kind of the way I look at it. But I still think it's hard for any moderate to liberal candidate in this town to get over the hump in the runoff and uh, and get elected. There's just so many people fighting over that the conservative side of the electorate that uh, it might have an opening there in the runoff for one of the more moderate candidates. Bob, you were saying you kind of think Yimmy, you know, might be able to sneak in there and have an impact I, uh, on that. I think you also want to keep a close eye on uh, Gonzalez. Uh, he is a Hispanic candidate. We've had a Hispanic mayor for eight years. You never know. It's like uh, the women's vote. If they vote together, of course, Sally Clark will be very formidable in this election. There's no guarantee that will happen. It's certainly very possible that if uh, the Hispanic vote uh, unifies behind uh, Gonzalez, uh, he will be a contender in this race uh, very much to be one of the top two, in my opinion. Yeah, and he, I I look at him as being... Uh, pretty strong conservative as well. And if you look at his website on the endorsement section of his website, he's got a pretty long list of, you know, kind of traditional conservatives here in the community that are supporting him. So I think you're right. If some certain things come together, he might be right up there close to the top two. When I did the interviews with the seven candidates, a lot of the same issues came up. It really seems like The only issue that had significant division within the group was the new water rule that Colorado Springs just passed, the 128% rule. You know, again, as I look at a campaign, you start to try and find places where a candidate might be able to find an area where they're kind of unique or different from some of the others or most of the others. Have you guys looked at that water issue do you think it could potentially be a major issue in the campaign? Or now that the council's voted on it, do you think it's it's maybe kind of a non-issue? I, of course, am uh, on top of that issue. Uh, Tom and I did a series of stories on uh, the uh, portion of El Paso County outside the city. Uh, one of the most interesting facts in that story was that if all the people living in unincorporated El Paso County were to organize as a city, it would be the fourth largest city in Colorado. Uh, but the El Paso County plan, and I think what this is driving this, said that in the end, it's going to be up to city utilities to solve the water problems for the entire county. And that's what I think is driving this new attention uh, to water. Uh, this is my way of saying uh, this is a really big issue. Now, whether it's going to get the attention of the voters in this uh, mayor's election is, is another question. But uh, I'm saying that it should be a big issue if indeed in the end, when the wells start running dry in unincorporated 
uh, El Paso County, uh, city utilities is going to have to bail them out. Then the city has to really watch its water carefully. And uh, I think uh, some candidates may work hard at establishing that issue. That'll be something to watch closely. I think what's interesting is I think Wayne and Sally are a little bit on opposite sides of that issue. Wayne, I obviously voted for it on council. In my conversation with Sally, she feels like there might be a need for a deeper conversation and to potentially relook at that issue, uh, at the very least from a, a percentage standpoint of what that percentage threshold is, whether it's 128% or different one. I think the water issue, you're correct that Sally and Wayne do differ on it, but I don't think that the average voter is going to understand the differences. And my hunch is it's an issue that, uh, though terribly important, is not going to uh, sway votes as much as uh, the question of safety, public safety and crime and shoplifting and so on. Uh, we, we we put into our story a week or two ago that uh, we would like a mayor to, one of our aspirations is to make the mayor uh, have them may have been known for creating the safest city in America, not just a, a great tourist place or great place for weddings, which uh, we've been recently celebrated for. Uh, Darrell Glenn picked up on that. I noticed uh, in his presentation lately saying that that's one of his top priorities. He would make America, uh, Colorado Springs, the safest city in America. And I think that, that that's a vote getter if you can back it up with more than a slogan. He knows sound bites. I'm of the opinion that issues are not what's going to dominate this election. I think we have so many strong candidates who are incumbents, who have records of service. Uh, people know those names. I think it really is going to be a personality contest rather than an issues contest. Or I might put this differently. I think if you're not Wayne Williams or Sally Clark, uh, you're going to have to work awfully hard to find an issue that will hurt one of them to get their vote down to where you'll be competitive. I think the uh, uh, people who are not Sally or Wayne are going to be searching for those issues, but I think they're going to have trouble finding them. Uh, that's another thing I'll be watching for as this mayoral election develops. One of the questions I wanted to ask you guys is, again, we've kind of talked about the candidates that are probably a little more conservative. There's several of them on that side. Do you think the recent split in the local Republican Party will have any impact on this race? Uh, I would tend to play that split down simply because most of the candidates we're talking about who are Republicans, not all of them, but most of them uh, are uh, uh, not far right wing. Uh, Wayne Williams and uh, Sally Clark are uh, very much, from my perspective, mainstream, uh, not associated with the far right positions that uh, uh, have hurt the Republicans so much lately. Um, I think uh, there are enough people who take the prohibition on uh, uh, partisanship seriously that uh, uh, that's not likely to be uh, too big a factor. 
I realize there are many voters who take a partisan approach to the election, but uh, um, I at least try to minimize it in uh, my comments on it. Okay. <clears throat> I, I don't think the, I don't think the Democratic Party will be involved uh, at all in the, this this type of election. I might add, surprisingly, and most Colorado Springs residents don't know this. The Democratic candidate for governor in the recent election actually won Colorado Springs uh, uh, with maybe something like 52, 53 percent of the vote. He won El Paso County, which is even a more conservative entity, of course, than Colorado Springs, by 47 percent of the vote. So this is unusual for uh, a Democrat. But Polis was an incumbent with a lot of money and a lot of advertising and a relatively weak opponent. Uh, but so the, the point is that a Democrat uh, who runs the right kind of campaign and has access to a lot of money can do well here in Colorado Springs. I don't think we have a candidate uh, who, who fits that bill in the mayor's race whatsoever. But again, there's that whole left side of the electorate that without a direct candidate reaching out to them, you know, maybe they'll vote in lower numbers if they don't feel like there's a candidate they can support. Or maybe it's just whoever's farthest to the left of all the candidates that are running. That might be enough to get them into the runoff. It more likely gets them into slot three or four, in my judgment. Okay. But it, okay. But, uh, but we'll have to see. It, it is true, on the other hand, that there are so many conservatives and so many people with Republicans behind their name who have run for many other offices, that the Republicans are plainly going to split a lot of votes. Um, I, I think Wayne Williams, because of all the establishment endorsements and also his long record of service and seeming to come across as a sensible, somewhat moderate uh, public servant, I think he, he can override the fact that he has to run against so many fellow Republicans. I would chime in at this point that uh, this race is going to be very difficult uh, for moderate Republicans, Um, uh, perhaps even wider than that, uh, somewhat conservative and moderate Republicans. I think you have to appreciate many of them, uh, even those thinking very much in terms of uh, staying nonpartisan. It's going to be a really tough choice uh, between Wayne Williams and Sally Clark. Uh, these are two locally elected officials who have had long careers uh, serving the public and uh, uh, making solid careers out of that. And a lot of people will have voted for both of them. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of personal tension for people who have uh, voted for both Sally and Wayne in the past. And I think it's going to be very hard for them to choose between those two in the first round. Uh, I also think if they are the two in the second round, uh, which is a real possibility, uh, that's going to be very, very difficult for many, many people, no matter what their party affiliation in Colorado Springs. Uh, uh, that'll that'll be an election to watch, in my opinion, if it's Wayne versus Sally in the final runoff. That could be a pretty close one. The system we have, obviously, with the 
first round. I know, Tom, you said you thought Wayne might be able to get over the hump in the first round, but I'm just kind of expecting a runoff. Is that the best system, or should we look at ranked choice voting here in the Springs for this for our mayoral election? How do you guys look at ranked choice? My own personal view on ranked choice is that it should be tried at several state and local uh, elections, either in the primary or general elections, and we should learn from it. I think we still have a learning curve. Uh, and so watching Maine and Alaska and a few other cities, I think maybe Denver may be doing it this time. Uh, uh, but I, I think uh, more analysis has to be done to see whether who it advantages and who it disadvantages. I think there are advantages and there are some drawbacks. The, the reporters don't like it because it, it, it elongates the race for another 10 days in many cases, and they always want to rush into who, who's won, you know, within 10 minutes of when the voting booth is closed. I, I, I think there's some merit and there's a, there's a fair amount of political science and uh, analytical studies being done on it. And my hunch is uh, we're not ready for it in Colorado Springs yet, but we should watch and wait and learn from a uh, half dozen other communities and states that are, in fact, uh, boldly and courageously trying it out. Uh, Tom and I differ slightly on this issue. Uh, he's willing to give ranked choice voting a chance. Um, I think it should be strangled in the cradle of myself uh, because uh, of the problem Tom mentioned. It's a very complicated system. It takes a long time to explain to someone exactly what's going on. Uh, peoples uh, are don't exactly know who they voted for. And above all, I think it's a big problem uh, that it's such a complicated process to count it. We just got a lesson in the Iowa caucuses in 2020, where they had this that somewhat same very complicated system and had a major computer failure and a long delay. Um, I just much prefer a system where you vote for a particular candidate, they get your vote and uh, the results are known immediately. So I'm a big no on ranked choice voting. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll weigh in with a small rebuttal here. Uh, the early returns are in Maine and in Alaska is that there's a, there's a tendency for ranked choice voting to give you more moderate candidates and moderate uh, victors. And uh, uh, Bob and I both prefer systems that encourage moderation, and uh, we're, we're, if anything, we're, we're, we're both of different political parties ourselves, but we tend to like the moderates in both parties. I haven't studied it all that much. Again, just seen some of the results. Again, Alaska, I think for me, was the most high profile and, and, you know, kind of first look at it. I don't know how much the city spends on the runoff, but Again, it could be looked at as at a cost saving measure for the city to not have the the runoff in the middle of May. I'm not sure what that costs, but you know, could be upwards of a hundred thousand dollars or more that the city might save. So that's just something else I was thinking of relative to that. In that recent article that you guys wrote, you I, I think you talked a little bit about that Mayor Southers has been a 
a pretty uh, effective mayor over the last couple of terms. I, I think you even mentioned that if he was running for a third term, he'd probably get reelected. What do you think is going to be the biggest challenge for a new mayor coming in? I think homelessness is a uh, bad problem in Colorado Springs. Uh, I uh, uh, live close to downtown, would like to spend a lot of time downtown. Uh, Frankly, when homeless people are so obviously on the streets, I find that discourages my desire to go downtown. But I also think there's the other side of it. Uh, Our citizens feel great sympathy for homeless people and uh, want something uh, simply done about their welfare. Uh, It's a very complicated problem, but uh, I think homelessness is the biggest problem faced in all cities, and that's going to be true in Colorado Springs. Public safety, the crime rate, the shoplifting, you go to any neighborhood uh, uh, set of stores, a small mall or, uh, or like over in the barn or whatever, and you talk to the owners of the small shops, they all have shoplifting go on several times a day. And uh, the shoplifting and automobile theft is enormous. And I think if the mayor in his first second, first couple of years is not able to reverse crime rates, I think they'll be in trouble. Uh, There's also a question of social fabric. This city has grown so fast that uh, there's a, there are problems of uh, suicides, loneliness, uh, opioid, fentanyl uh, usage, uh, addiction. I, I think the social issues of the, uh, the, 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 the social culture are enormous. Now, how a mayor handles that in a singular way is beyond uh, uh, easy explanation. But I think they have to develop a whole variety of strategies to deal with a number of things. And th- this is not Colorado Springs specific. This is true of every city in the country, from Portland to, to Memphis. We, we have problems of neighborhoods and race and, and um, integrity, if you will, of the social culture. So we have grown so fast that the city has to come to terms with tribalism and distrust. There's a great distrust of government and a lot of distrust among racial groups and so on. Um, so that in addition to crime and safety, I would place this more intangible thing as a major issue. And John Southers has held things together, but I think that we've grown so fast that these issues have now made us much like many other big cities in the country and uh, from Seattle to Chicago, that uh, are going to come back to haunt us unless we have more leadership of a public-private sector. One of the things that it, that's, I mean, it, it seems to hold true every election. Every once in a while, there's a little bit of an anomaly, like when uh, President Obama ran. The vast majority of voters are over the age of 45. They just vote in much higher percentages. What do you think might be able to be done. I mean, do you think there's an opportunity for one of these candidates if they could appeal to some younger voters that that might be enough to get them over the hump into the top two? You've taught college students for decades. When they're taking your class, they're probably a little more interested in politics, so maybe a little more likely to vote. But what do you think can be done to to possibly help get younger voters to turn out in higher numbers? 
I have not seen among the current uh, seven or eight uh, front runners the kind of style or spirit that's likely to, to get large numbers of young people to vote. Uh, you're right about Barack Obama. He uh, and, and Bernie Sanders in his own way. Uh, and here in Colorado, one example of somebody who who rallied new voters in an unusual way was young John Hickenlooper when he ran first for mayor uh, back uh, it's now 20 years ago. So uh, but when he ran in mayor, he brought a new spirit and he had a collaboration of neighborhoods and age groups, I think, that helped fire it up and help provide some spirit in Denver, which has been lacking in Denver in recent years. And uh, we could use somebody with a John Hickenlooper kind of spirit here. I'm not sure we have a candidate in the race right now who has the Obama, Sanders, uh, Hickenlooper kind of style. Bob, what about you? I tend to think that uh, this is a race where uh, a youth candidate is not likely to emerge. We've had a uh, very solid, older mayor for eight years. Uh, the result has been, uh, in my opinion, a very uh, relatively peaceful eight years in Colorado Springs history. Uh, I just don't see this as a situation that, that calls for a young revolutionary candidate. In fact, the sentiment I think I hear the most and feel the most is uh, uh uh, let's keep uh, what uh, John Southers has started uh, going. Uh, uh, let's find someone who can maintain uh, the uh, the Southers atmosphere. I'm hoping to get other chances to talk to some of the candidates. What are some of the questions you'd like to see these candidates get asked on the campaign trail, whether it's at a forum or by me if I get a chance to talk to him again? I listed 11 such questions in my February 12th column in the Gazette, and uh, three or four of them are, what would you do that would be different and better than John Southers? Uh, another one, would, would, would what kind of water planning, planning would you do? Another question is, uh, how would you be a healer and bring together communities and disparate groups in the community and deal with the social fabric? Another one was, how could you make Colorado Springs one of the safest cities in America? And uh, another question is the perennial question Colorado Springs faces, and how can we continue to diversify the economy? Most of us know that uh, military DOD or DOE or aerospace funding is uh, 40 to 50 percent of our economy. And the, the old joke in the old days was, if peace ever broke out in the world, Colorado Springs might have to roll up its sidewalks. And, uh, and you know, that's unlikely to happen, as we know. But uh, yeah. we are dependent on uh, uh, a handful of federal funding and, uh, and, uh, and defense expenditures. I think uh, the important thing where issues are concerned, uh, I think Tom and I have touched on both of them. I think people are concerned about crime. Uh, and people are concerned about homelessness. And I have a little rule I follow. Uh, people are most likely to vote on life space issues. That means they're more likely to vote on issues that affect them in their daily lives. And uh, uh, 
Water is an interesting problem, but that's way off in the future. Uh, most, uh, that's not a life space issue for most people in our community. I think it's also important to mention that the person who has to solve these water issues, the uh, head of the utilities department is appointed and hired by city council, not by the mayor. Uh, the uh, ultimate responsibility for water rests with the council, not with the mayor. Uh, but uh, uh, I think those are the uh, two life space issues uh, that should drive this election. If I was one of the uh, minor candidates, I would pick one of those two issues and hammer on it. Thank you very much. That's about the time we had allotted. And I really appreciate you guys taking the time to come on today and kind of give your perspective on this. We're going to be jumping into several more topics as we go along with the podcast. I kind of like this idea of getting a broader perspective to start with and and obviously your experience take on the campaign and the candidates and again some of the the nuances of of who might fit where with the electorate so i really do appreciate you guys coming on today well i'll throw in one last word here and that is i think we're very fortunate in colorado springs that we have such a long list of qualified, experienced candidates uh, willing to uh, take the trouble to run for mayor. The fact that uh, most of these people have established careers, or most of the front runners do. We've got uh, county commissioners and city council people, uh, people who have worked hard for this city. I think to have such a long list of available candidates uh, is very fortunate for us. I agree. That's one of the reasons why I really wanted to do this podcast. I mean, five of them have held elective office for at least eight years or more. I I think you're right. I think we have a good qualified field and, you know, some people who haven't been elected before that have raised some money. And so I think it's going to be kind of interesting. My my final word would be hooray for mail in ballots, a Colorado uh, hallmark of achievement and uh, that will likely increase voter turnout by 5 to 7%. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Okay. It's Great. Been our pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of COS 23, the Mayor's Race podcast. You can find COS 23, the Mayor's Race, wherever you get your podcasts or on our website, cos23mayorsrace.com. This program is brought to you by Avant Strategies. Special thank you to producer Ted Robertson for help putting this program together. If you're interested in partnering with COS 23, the Mayor's Race podcast, you can reach out to me at kyle at avantstrategiesllc.com. 